0: I'm praying for this land I love America America The home of the free But there are people making plans To change America They've no respect for her For what matters most to you That's why I say I stand for the plant, and I kneel at the cross, I for the friends I have loved.
1: afternoon to an unusual broadcast. This is normally the time I Good have to have a tea party uh, on over at Bougie's restaurant. However, uh, things got a little bit botched up, but because of the coronavirus, we are now broadcasting live up on Facebook, as well as here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your hostess with the most just the radio chickadee, Annie, the radio chick, along with my co-host Curtis C.S. it of usually Southern Sense Talk Radio, but today with
0: the paper <laughs> tea
1: party. Curtis, how are you today? Oh,
2: man. I'm, I, I, talk I'm about tony. messing
1: up a wet drink. <laughs> we are.
2: Seem like we're shutting down everything. I mean, my post is shut, shutting down, you know, American Legion, um, Republican Executive Committee. We're not going to meet. It's just like on and on and on. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds like the end of the world, but... I know we'll bounce back in a couple of months. I'm not worried.
3: This
1: too shall shall pass. And just bear with me because um, I'm a little flabbergasted. Uh, I thought I would have a lot more stuff going on today, and I'm a little bit behind in getting everything up and running on the computer. So just bear with me because Curtis is with us in the studio for a short time. So there is his beautiful mug showing up right now. Curtis, we have our first guest. He is running for the Buford County Coroner. And uh, normally when I do our Buford Tea Party, uh, we normally stand and do the Pledge of Allegiance. But uh, I guess we will have to do it as we are sitting here on air. So as I start this meeting, I will start with a pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the Republic for which is one nation under God. Indivisible indivisible, with liberty and justice. All right, that said, welcome to the Beaufort Tea Party in South Carolina, sunny, not so sunny, South Carolina today. I want to welcome Board uh, Candidate for Beaufort County, Coroner David Ott. Good afternoon, David. How are you today?
3: Good afternoon, Ms. Ann and everybody. I hope you all having a wonderful afternoon.
1: Oh, man, I, I, I'm not accustomed to doing this on, uh, a fly on the on the radio show because normally I sit down for the radio show. It takes me all week to put my notes together, and then I cram on Thursday night, and I freak out on Friday before we go on air. So this is all last minute, so bear with us. We do have people up in the studio listening in, and I hope we'll see some people start to join us over on Facebook. So I want to remind those that are listening in um, on the phone or if you're over at the Facebook page, because the video is up there on Facebook, so to the Buford Tea Party on Facebook. Uh, join the live watch party that you'll see up there. You can post your questions there. If you are in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio, please also post your questions there. If you are listening in on the studio, I want to remind you, you have a question or a comment for our guest, David Ott, who's running for Buford County Corner. Please press 1 on your keypad, then I know you're raising your hand and you have a question Otherwise, my assumption is that you aren't listening in. David, um, introduce yourself to our audience. Explain who you are and why you decided to run for County Coroner.
3: Thank you. I'm David Ott. I am the Chief Deputy Coroner of Beaufort County. I'm a uh, longtime Beaufort resident. matter of fact, we're going to date it all the way back to 1957. When I first moved to Beaufort from Hawaii, uh, being the son of a military brat, uh, where I grew up and went to school here uh, all but a year and a half, uh, up in Camp Majun and back to Beaufort my entire life, where I graduated uh, from Beaufort High School, or uh, Valley Creek High School, I'm sorry, um, I got interested in uh, becoming a game warden and Next thing you know, I changed my mind and went to go into the military. I had uh, bad knees, so I changed my mind a third time where I went into law enforcement. Uh, I ended up moving to middle Georgia where I got into uh, law enforcement uh, there for two reasons. One, to get uh, maturity, uh, and secondly, to move away from my hometown uh, get away from my high school buddies and uh, come back home uh, later, which I did. Uh, three years later, I, I came back to Beaufort, uh, my home, and went to work with the Sheriff's Department. Um, I picked up investigator with the Sheriff's Department in about nine nine months, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I worked with Beaufort County Sheriff's Department. I was stationed over in Southern Division, uh, Hilton Head, Bluffton. Uh, served uh, over there for uh, nine and a half years where uh, when I transferred over to the Beaufort Police Department and I finished out my career there, uh, I ended up with 29 years. Uh, Coroner Ed Allen was uh, elected as the coroner of Beaufort County, and he contacted me about uh, coming aboard with him as his deputy coroner which I uh, I retired and uh, had three days vacation. Uh, Monday was a holiday, and I could not work that Monday, so I started on a Tuesday. And uh, I worked myself up to the chief deputy corner, where I'm currently still employed and still work for uh, corner Ed Allen as today. Uh, I enjoy what I do. I was going to say, we love Ed Allen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Ed is a good man. I love him to death. Great, great boss. Um, people ask me how I deal Ms. Ann, with what I do, um, and it, it's not being the um, typical go out and look at a body, pronounce a body dead. Is it has nothing really to do with that. Uh, in, in the long arm of it, uh, I'm I'm in my career, and I love my career for being able to go out. And help the families of the deceased, uh, giving them the information they need to go forward with uh, preparing, uh, you know, of course, for burial. Uh, for, for any questions they have, uh, I often tell them when I give them my business card, my cell phone's on that card, and to call me. You know, I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. You call me. I'm here for you. Um, my faith in being able to help the families is what really keeps me going. Uh, I'm not ready to retire. I got a um, little forty years invested in public service, and uh, I'm willing to invest quite a few more. My health's good, and uh, I'm ready to move forward into my next chapter uh, and uh, you know that's that's what we're here for right now.
1: Well, you know, um, a lot of people don't understand what the coroner's office does. Why is it so important that we have to elect an official to it? You know, they don't understand. What are your duties? uh, Not on just a typical day, not a special day like today, but a typical day. What are the things that you actually end up doing?
3: Well, of course, you know, we do go out in the field, and when we have a death, and uh, we pronounce uh, the death, uh, and then we got to find the cause of death. Uh, that cause of death can be hundreds and hundreds of different things, from um, a heart attack to a, a stroke to a car accident. And then we take that cause of death, and we got to determine what is the manner of death. And in this state, there's only five manners of death, which include a natural, a homicide, a suicide, a unknown, And accidental Uh, once we determine that then the death certificates is filed Um, we aid the family and uh, you know the cremations the funeral home forward papers to us once we get the proper paperwork we sign off on the cremations and uh, you know we constantly in contact with our local doctors which we have uh, a great rapport with a lot of them in my phone on the first name basis. You know, um, we work with our local doctors every day, especially on our natural deaths. Um, Your unknown deaths, uh, we send up to Medical University of South Carolina where we have some of the best, for instance, pathology in the state and they conduct a full autopsy and render their findings back to us where we make the decision as to the manner and cause of death.
1: Well, I just want to remind people that are listening in that if you're up on the Facebook, please feel free to post your questions over there. If you're up on the blog talk radio, please also post your questions there. You're listening in the studio. Please remember to press one and I'll be happy to bring you on and ask your questions. Um, Now, I, is it necessary for the coroner here to be a medical doctor and if not why is it preferred not to be or to be a doctor is it
3: detrimental or is it helpful um you know it it can be both i I don't want to rule out uh, that a doctor would not be beneficial um, in in our profession if we have any Uh, Facts Leading to a cause And manner of death We depend upon the patient's doctors To give us that information And to certify The death certificates Again when we are Unsure of a cause or manner Of death The the decedent is sent to the Medical University of South Carolina For us to determine that uh, Through a course on autopsy uh, a doctor would definitely uh, can come in and, and would have more knowledge than than me and, and saying uh, well I, I believe this to have happened that way, but here's my point. I come from a long many years of an investigative uh, investigation officer. Um, that is where, that, that is where I find it's very critical in the knowledge of your corner is to have the ability to walk into a scene and, and, and look at it and say, hey, we got uh, problems here. We need to back up. We need to regroup. Y'all need to look at this as foul play. You need to look at it as a, could be a potential overdose. Um, an investigator on a on a scene of a death, to me, is far more valuable. I, I can see uh, things that, Uh, let's just say a doctor might not be able to see through my training, uh, aside from his medical training on the criminal side of the house with the background and the schools that I got under my belt through the many years of law enforcement, um, the investigators out there today, we work very, very close together, uh, through all the agencies, uh, here in Beaufort County, um. I pride myself in being able to go out there and point out things to them. Uh, I love it when they come to me and ask me my expert advice or to go look at this or look at that. They trust my decisions through my years of uh, investigations. Um, I I would take an investigator over a medical personnel on a crime scene death any day. Uh, It just adds so much knowledge to why... Uh, that person died, and uh, was it at the hands of another? Was it a self-inflicted? And, you know, we are able to look at the totality of everything, not just a body, but we look at the whole scope of what we walked into. Now,
1: the question is, is that, now, how does your office uh work and tie into local local law enforcement because you do have a local law enforcement background an investigative background but do you work with local law enforcement and the sheriff's department and um utilize their crime lab and any other facilities they have do you sit down with the uh detectives and say all right fine i think i got xyz in my hand how does how does
3: this actually work we, we do work both uh hand-in-hand together, uh, the coroner's office with the local law enforcement, uh, whether it's the Sheriff's Department, uh, Bluffton Police Department, Buford Police Department, uh, the evidence that is collected in most cases by the uh, Sheriff's Department is sent to their crime lab. They have a wonderful staff over there, and they can get a great turnaround on on the evidence uh, uh, that is turned in on deaths. other agencies still send their uh, evidence up to SLED. Uh, I think most of them is now utilizing the Sheriff's Department uh, labs over there. Um, we, we are able to work hand in hand on the collection. Uh, the evidence is generally not moved until we roll on the scene. Uh, if it is, uh, and they need to secure it uh, for uh, safety measures, then they, of course, they photograph that item or items and they submit pictures to me. Uh, we, we work very, very good hand in hand with each other.
1: No, I apologize. I just had someone walk in the room on me, you know, um, I'm I, sorry. My mind just went about 15 different plans. All right, what do you <laughs> see on, for the future of the of the uh, uh, coroner's office? How would you like to move it into
3: more a more modern office? Well, right now we need to have um, my plan. If I'm elected, as, is, I would station. One of the deputy corners on the Southern Division side of Broad River. Uh, all response time from Buford to Broad River to Hilton Head, uh, from, uh, from, from from where my office is, it can be relatively long, especially, as we all know, with the traffic out there on 278, given a Saturday afternoon or anything like that. Uh, we're not going to be able to have somebody over there. 24-7. Uh, uh, we'll be lucky uh, if we can. Um, today today is a prime example. Um, we, we had deaths on, uh, on Hilton Head uh, down there and, and uh, towards Sea Pines. At the same time we had one on Fripp Island. Now imagine driving from Sea Pines to Fripp Island. You can look at it across the water, just about see it, but to drive all the way around it takes a long time. It would be wonderful to have one deputy on Hilton Head that can respond there. And then the one deputy corner in the Buford side that can take the Rip one instead of having to wait. Uh, same thing goes with our transporters. Uh, we had one transporter in the county today. We had one transporter up at Medical University of South Carolina where he took up a deceased this morning for an autopsy. Um that that to me would be probably the most beneficial thing that I can give you for county residents. They don't need to sit around and wait on us to get over there uh when when we could be there quicker if if I could put somebody over there. Um uh, that's that's my main goal. The second goal I like to see <coughs> excuse me. Local that's law all right. enforcement is doing time. a wonderful job. They're doing a wonderful job in trying to attack the deaths that we're having uh, in, in Beaufort County, and, and it's all the way across the nation. It's not just Beaufort County on the drug-related deaths. Um, you know, time and time again, we see it, and uh, the sheriff's department and the police departments in this county get frustrated uh, at the amount of deaths that we have, and and uh, they work very hard. Um we we trying to curve it. We need more more help out there in educating the public of what what they really doing with these drugs. You know, they're taking this powder that they don't have a clue what's in it and uh you know, and next thing you know, I'm having to go knock on a door on one of the deputies uh and say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry but your uh, your loved one passed away today because of a drug overdose. So I like to combat that. The uh, third thing that i like to come back, and this is not in no special orders, again, saying, we have way too far many suicides in this county. Uh, suicide rates is up nationwide. Um, it, we have seen an increase in suicides, uh, especially among our youth. Uh, I don't know, and I can't answer if it's from the bullying in the schools or what. The The, uh, the law enforcement agencies, of course, are looking into that and they're very good about relating their findings back to us. But i like to see more education somehow reach out to all ages uh, on the suicide, but particularly our young adults out there are, are just way too young, you know, out there taking their own lives. senselessly. i uh, I'd like to see more programs out there to try to help them that they can reach out to that uh, we can help each other
1: you know uh, that is too true The, the the number of youth that are now committing suicide has gone through the roof and children as young as six years old there is no reason for that and this is a nationwide epidemic we're worrying about the coronavirus but we lose more people day by day veterans homeless kids the suicide rate in this nation is through the roof and you're worrying about a virus but um, the virus is on everyone's hand, uh, minds right now. And I know my co-host has to leave in about five minutes. Curtis, before I continue with this, you want to ask any questions before you have to jump off? Because Curtis is tutoring some local youth. Uh, so um, I know he's got his hands full. Go ahead, Curtis.
2: <laughs> I know that people who die from um, AIDS, their their body has to be handled differently at the morgue or at medical centers. um What's the situation with this um, coronavirus, if someone dies from it?
3: You know, we, we it's a good question, Curtis. We are following the nation guidelines. Um, we, of course, uh, we notify DHEC immediately when we have a suspected uh, case. Uh, knock on wood, we have not had one. And hopefully we won't in Beaufort County. Um, but there's guidelines is in set. Uh, we had one passed this weekend that we thought was going to be one and the uh, standard protocol was, was issued uh, uh, and of course it was determined that that person was not infected with it. Uh, but anyway, it, it goes back to taking the swabs, you know, we send them off the uh, carriers to pick them up. Uh, we try to hold the body uh, in our morgue until we get results back uh, due to setting them up for an autopsy and and, and of course
1: uh, you know it, it
3: spreads rapidly um, we take all the measures uh now it's common knowledge that we go in geared to deer, deal with it uh, of course with well, all booties or masks uh, you know the gloves and all that as as we hear every day on, on our television um, it's is, is this the standard protocol we, that we take right now? Uh, yeah. That's pretty okay. much about it on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Curtis, I, I know you, you've got to run and, you know, um, give me a shout. and we've got ourselves a full schedule on Friday and we're starting to fill up on the next show on went on next week. So give me a call of the weekend, Curtis. And, uh, have fun with your, your tutoring over there. And God bless you for helping these kids in the neighborhood.
2: All right. I appreciate that. Take care. I'll talk Curry, to you take care. All right. Bye-bye. All
1: right. Uh, Curtis had to jump out. Like I said, he, on Monday, he tutors two kids, and he's helping someone with some of their papers. Uh, but we do have a caller in on the line. Uh, the last two digits of your phone are 3-7. You're on the air live. To whom am I speaking?
4: Hey, how's it going? It's Tom. How you doing?
1: Hi, Tom. You have a question for our guest, uh, David Ott, who's running for Favorite County, Corner.
4: Yeah, I guess um, I'm just wondering kind of where he thinks the market's going to end up dropping off to and uh, just kind of how long he thinks all, like, the quarantines are going to occur for and just kind of uh, when we'll get back to normal life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Tom good question number one I'm not a financial uh, wizard so I have no clue to help you with the stock market or anything like that uh, again your guess is as good as some of the best doctors that we see across the nation we hear every day we're not really sure when this all is going to end we're not sure if uh you know, like the flu season, it tapers off when the heat comes in as the spring and summer starts. Uh, so we, we are in this game together, me and you and, and the rest of us, um, learning every day, every second. As you can tell, something changes. Um, we we will do our best to stay on top of it, but to answer those two questions you got, I have no idea. <laughs> Well, that's a good answer.
1: You know, we really don't know what's going to be going on. Um, My mom had asked me earlier, and I said, Mom, the flu season is going to go through the rest of this month and into April. If you're up north of the Mason-Dixon line, you end up getting snow in April. So figure if you're up in the uh, tri-state area, the New England area, anywhere north, uh, you're going to have a colder and longer flu season. So figure to the end of April into May, things will start to taper off. The market will come back. Everything will taper back at, into normal. That was my advice to her. So I, I think, David, I think That's you're basically good saying the same thing, aren't
3: you? <laughs> I, yes, I just don't is. want to give yes. advice that he runs out and invests a lot of money in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I I would hold off investing in the stock. Well, actually, if you've got money that you want to invest, uh, now would be a buyer's market, honestly. So, you know, I I would say, you know, find yourself something that you think is going to go up, uh, a major stock or a mutual fund or an index, and I say, in that case, you know, then go for it and hold on to it. And, uh, you know, when the market comes back, you're going to be sitting in the captain's seat. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I actually, I've I've got a substitute co-host in with me today. It happens to be my husband, Yanni, sitting next to me. Yanni, do you have any questions for our canicarna? We're waiting for um, our next guest to call in, who's actually in on the line. So, David, hang on as I battle a cat on my lap. See, this, see, this is not normally what happens. We go to a tea party meeting, everything is nice and orderly. And <laughs> we don't have these <laughs> other things going on. So Dave, You're Barry, doing I fine. Bring, <laughs> bring on our next guest, who is running for the uh, Congress out of the 1st uh, District here in South Carolina. Seat he currently hold, held by Joe, as I call him, Beer Can Cunningham, formerly held by Mark Sanford. Uh, so good afternoon, Brad, and how are you today?
5: Good afternoon, Ann. I'm doing well.
1: Oh, great. Um, you are running for the congressional seat here out of South Carolina, the the first congressional district. And, um, get my questions here. I think. What caused you to decide to run for this? Now there's five of you running, so we've got a pretty full field. What made you decide to jump into the race? What did you see that said, Hey, it, now's the time to do this?
5: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and for having me, having me on your show and, uh, I definitely was able to, uh, listen in a little bit, uh, with, uh, David talking and, uh, sounds like a great man. And, uh, um, I really like some of the things that he said as far as, um, you know, we all have to do something here in America, especially in our district concerning, um, the mental health of our, our youth. And, uh, one, one, I mean, I want to kind of just start in on, on that point because I, I, like David was raised here in the area, um, I raised a preacher's kid here in, in the low country, low country I'm from Hampton County originally. Um, but I'm huge on, on families and marriage and, uh, you know, the, the declining marriage, you know, right here in America, you know, affects us all. Um, you know, we've got decades of statistics that have shown that, you know, on average married couples, you know, do better physically, uh, um, financially, uh, stability and greater social mobility. Um, and, it, and it affects the kids. It affects the children. Um, and so, um, again, throughout the last couple of decades, we've seen that decline. And, unfortunately, I believe that has affected the whole family unit, um, including the uh, children as well. Um, so that's something I'm, that I definitely um, believe in and, and want to help push even more is pro-family policies. Because, um, again, the I believe that the family unit is – um, a building block for, for America. And um also for, for our district. Um, and you, you, you ask me what, what, what caused me to run. Um, and, and many people have asked me that question and uh, asked why, why now, as opposed to, you know, two years from now or four years from now. And, you know, I had someone else say to me, they said, well, Brad, you know what, uh, timing, timing is everything. And, uh, and uh and so I believe that this opportunity or this time was the exact time in order for me to um, um, throw, throw my name in the hat or to run for 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 election um, um, and there's a couple of things I'll just mention to you right quick um, so about about ten about nine months ago, my wife and I you know we were just riding I was looking at the current selection of, of candidates that we had in order to um, go against Joe in November. And to be honest with you, and I, I, I looked and I didn't see to where there was a candidate in place um, that could win um, against Joe in November. And so I told my wife, I said, well, you know what, uh, Tim Scott's got an event coming up in uh, um, in D.C., uh, which I did attend that event. Tim Scott had a event from a, uh organization he started called the Empower America Project. And from that project, um, the initial kick call for was a three-day boot camp with up-and-coming uh, minority candidates, Republican candidates throughout um, uh, um, the country. And we all met for a three-day boot camp in Washington, D.C. I attended that uh, boot camp and told my wife, you know, we would decide after I attended whether or not I felt like it was something that – a good opportunity or the right time to run or well, – well you know, those who've been around uh or had a chance to speak uh, had chance to speak to our here Tim Scott, you know, he's definitely a, an inspiring um um man, um, as well as a elected official that we have here in South Carolina. And so he he hit the inspiration from that weekend definitely did push me even more to say yes, this was the uh, right time to run. Um you know, I, I believe that I can you know when this November election, you know, by a landslide, as opposed to some of the other candidates, I think that the, you know, it'll be a repeat of the uh, last election with Katie Arrington. Um, So that was another reason why I decided to run at this time. Um, Second thing um, I also would like to grow the Republican party here in South Carolina um, and also in this district. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we, we, so we've had the, you know, about 40, 50 years ago in the thirties, forties and fifties, you had the migration, um, of those from from the south to northern states you know to new york to chicago to you know los angeles and, and and different you know uh big bigger areas in order for better economic opportunities well what we have going on now here is a return migration or a remigration back to the south and so you have you know, uh you have a, a large amount of people i think right now it's average about 35 people a day that's moving into the, our district um, and they're coming in from these, you know, heavily populated or heavily influenced Democratic uh, uh, cities, uh, as I mentioned, you know, uh, Chicago or New York. And they're coming in, you know, with with, with the same voting mentalities of voting um, Democratic. So, you know, you have states like South Carolina, along with Georgia, that's uh, turning more blue. And so I feel like, you know, a candidate like myself who can go in into this election, hold the Republican base, um, but at the same time be able to pull those historically African-American voters in um, into the Republican party. Many have already um, taken a look at the Republican party because of our current administration and uh, uh, president Trump. Um, again, I just want to give them give them another reason and to have those discussions as I ha- have been doing already um, in order to help pull them even more into the conservative movement. Um, and then, you know, going back to what I believe is Forrest families being the building block um, um, of America and of our district. Um, my goal is to, you know, fight and uphold, you know, the values uh, that we have here in the Low country. And I, I got a few other reasons as well, but that I believe that I can uh, win this election, but I want to kind of give it a pause to, to um, kind of catch my breath.
3: <laughs> I'm
5: passionate about it. So I want to kind of catch my breath because it's, like I said, growing up a preacher's kid in the area, um, my professional Uh, Positions as well. Um, Throughout my adult life, has mainly dealt with uh, community development um, uh, positions. So I, you know, I consider myself a community development leader. I've had management positions where I've uh, managed nonprofits in the area um, and and worked with local government, working the local government. So, out of all of that, I'm pretty passionate because I've worked day in and day out with. uh, you know, with our neighbors here in the district and, uh, um, as much as possible, try to help them, um, tap into that hope that they have in order for a better life here. in I, what I say is kind of the new South in a sense,
1: well, you know, people can find your campaign website by going to Brad mole for Congress, the word for Brad mole for com. But you're also up on Facebook and Twitter as Brad the number four SC1, Brad the number 4 SB SC1 on Facebook and Twitter. Now, uh, looking at your website, um, you had a video up there where you listed three things that are extremely important to you. You mentioned fiscal responsibility, term limits, and supporting the military. Let's start off with fiscal responsibility because our Congress has not put, passed a budget in more than 20 years. They have done continuing resolution after continuing resolution non-stop. Would you fight to have an actual budget? And what type of a budget? Would it be a balanced budget? Uh, would it be something that would fund and then later on you look to tear down, you know, uh, the uh, irresponsible spending? How would you attack it when you get to Congress?
5: Um, you know, of course, that is an area I uh, believe that a lot of uh, our – uh, fellow neighbors and those that I've spoken to here in the district they would like to make sure that uh, as I go to Washington that that there that that is an area that is focused on um, and you know my goal is to uh, balance the budget to cut federal uh, spending um, to push for government you know to cut government waste and and um, you know take entitlements off of autopilot um, for for example, there is a uh, annual report that's uh, um, produced every year um, by the Accountability Office in order to show the overlapping and duplications that we have uh, going on in our uh, federal government. Uh, The 2019 annual report um, showed that there was 98 areas, and of course, um, you know, there's numerous programs that these that they can continue to cut uh, regulations Um, you know as one of the things I found out working in local government and uh, uh, working in nonprofits uh, is you find out that you know you sometimes have some of these same you know different we have different agencies or different organizations who have sometimes the same goals goals, and they have overlapping um, uh, redundancies in uh, um, exactly who they're serving how they serve and the services that they offer. Um, but, of course, on a larger scale, there, again, there's areas um, that's, that's uh, uh, again, in this 2019 annual report to reduce overlapping and duplications that I hope to go to D.C. and um, cut even more than, than our current administration is cutting now.
1: You know, I I like the idea because we have had agencies that have still are in existence from the Civil War. Once you create a government agency, it never dies. It never goes away. And government employees just keep on doing stuff just so they have that job. And then they pass that job down to their friends or whatever Mm -hmm. and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to retire. Why don't you apply for the civil service trial? I'll recommend you. I mean, it has gotten out of hand. I mean, you talk about a deep state and swamp.
5: Yes, yes, and, and I think one of the um, advantages, again, as a candidate, I can go to D.C. having worked, uh, having been around these people and saw the negative effects of these uh, programs and uh, uh, regulations play out on the ground. Um, so I'm coming straight off of the field as far as it stands off the battlefield the working alongside low-income low, low income, um, of residents and other residents as well in our district to say, Hey, you know, this, this program isn't working or it needs to, um, cut some regulations or is it is not pro-family policy. I heard a gentleman uh, say the other day, which, which, which I, it kind of uh, resonated with me is he said, you know what? It's a shame because over the years, it seems like we created policies in order for, uh, you know, uh, uh, women to marry the government instead of men. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's a shame because our goal is not to depend on the government in that sense. Um, and you're right, there has been programs uh, put into place um, that has not had any sunset dates. Um, and that's something, again, that I hope to push is to um, have sunset or end dates, um, deadlines or end dates in, in, in certain programs, um, regulations, and policies.
1: Well, you mentioned the sunset or the The sunset clauses. Now, I'd love that for legislation. I would love to see every time legislation is put up for a new regulation, a new law, or whatever it is, there's a sunset clause in it. I'm a huge opponent on that one. Good. (laughs) Now, another thing you mentioned is uh, term limits. And we've got people that have been in government their entire life. They have never worked an honest Mm -hmm. nine to five jobs in their entire life heaven forbid they flipped a burger or swept a floor like some of (laughs) us do, putting ourselves in Mm palace you know all they know is elected office and Bernie sanders is a perfect example what was his first Mm -hmm. job the mayor of a small town uh he went from there Mm -hmm. up into the senate he doesn't know what it means to actually work and yet he's a multi-millionaire with three homes, a private island, which he calls a vacation uh, camp, uh, that, of course, I'm sure he doesn't allow the public on there, so I don't know how he designates that. We have career politicians. How do we stop them, and what is the type of term limits you're looking at?
5: Um, Yeah, so I, I, I have been looking at and hope to, as elected, to join in with those. Uh, uh congressmen who, who are taking a look at term limits such as uh you know i've, I've listened at some um work and some women kind of, i've heard some words of ted cruz and and some others who who's I I note uh, i believe tim scott has uh also put himself uh the term limit as well to maybe um run run for one more term um but yeah i, I my goal is to join in with the current um conversations of those within our party uh, who's pushing term limits I myself am uh you know looking to do no more than six um I'm sorry no more than three terms um, um as as a congressman I mean as I as I tell some people you know I, I love my family I love my uh uh district and I believe that as I'm serving them as congressmen that you know there's other areas that I can serve them as well Um, You know, unfortunately, we do have career politicians. And uh, again, I um, feel like I can come back home, give someone else the opportunity that's just as bright and and smart as I am and have just as much passion to uh, serve the district.
1: And that's a huge amen to that one. Um, Another thing that you are a huge proponent of is the military. Now, Trump has been doing a marvelous job in rebuilding up the military. Uh, But we have still the problem of a huge number of homeless veterans. We are still losing 21 veterans per day to suicide. So it's one thing to build up the military, but once they're out, you know, how do we help them? How do we keep them from committing suicide? How do we keep them off the street as homeless? How do we help them make sure they get the benefits and everything that they earned when they – raise their hand, and volunteer to defend and protect our nation.
5: Yes. Yeah, so, again, my um, – and thank you for asking me about that. My my wife, uh, she served seven years military, and what I often say, you know, when, when one served, you know, the whole family serves. And
3: um, so my okay. wife
5: did uh, seven years military. She – our last duty station, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm the only – Candidates, I believe, that have lived throughout most of the district. Um, we lived in the uh, Charleston area for about six years, built a home there in Somerville, and uh, her last duty station was uh, the Naval Weapon Stations in Goose Creek. Um, and now we live over here, of course, in the Beaufort County area and have been here for about um, six years. Um, but I, it's, it's, mental health and uh, for our veterans um, um, is important to me, um, again, as I've as we've known throughout the years, uh, those who have served with, with my wife who've had some mental health issues, um, and uh, so mental health uh, among our military, whether they're serving now or after service, um, is important to me, and I would, um, my goal is to go in and push for policies to make sure that our military are taking care of um, health, mental health-wise. Um, but also, um, again, like you said, with uh, making sure that there's housing um, for for our uh, for those that have served um, instead of um, you know sleeping on the streets. I um, am also the um, chairman of the Low Country Affordable Housing Coalition. Um, my most recent uh, um, professional employment has been um, uh, dealt with affordable housing, um, and you know I, my goal is to as as the uh, uh, as occurring in administration, I do know recently, uh, as of last year, uh, with Housing Secretary Ben Carson, uh, they created a um, White House Council on eliminating uh, regulatory barriers to affordable housing. Uh, now, that's a long word, but in in in, in short, you know, <laughs> the goal is to identify. Uh, in short, the program's goal, or the council's goal, is to eliminate, identify um, federal, state, and local regulations that. Um, prevent affordable housing Uh, within that I would love to have that conversation or take that conversation to include also um, uh, know, veteran housing Um, I know that again taking a look at the uh, um, duplication of services I would like to um, understand and push to see exactly how the Veterans Administration along with HUD um, how are they working together in order to combat housing for all of us, but also, you know, from a, from a military perspective.
1: Now um, I'm going to start to pick a couple little bones with you because, yeah, as I said, I looked at your, um, your website. uh, And one of the things you said on your website is that you wanted to see honesty and integrity among healthcare providers. You specified healthcare providers. And now my question to you is what about honesty and integrity from me and my doctor. It's not a matter of my healthcare provider having honesty and integrity because I trust them. I don't Mm -hmm. trust the government getting between me and my doctor. So I don't think it's a problem with healthcare providers per se. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. may find less than 1% that may be dishonest, but that's not the best 99% of the healthcare providers out there. Our problem is is when government steps in there, I can't tell you how many times I go to a doctor's office, and I'm disabled, so I see a lot of doctors, and I have to fill out this huge questionnaire that is so obtrusive that some of these questions shouldn't even be asked. If I sat down to my doctor and I talked to him one-on-one, and I feel like telling him one of these things, then that's between him and me. Why am I filling out a HIPAA form that's going to the government, that's being administered by what's the remnants of Obamacare out there? It's not the integrity mm-hmm. of my doctor. It's the integrity of the system that was put in place. You- I understand. That's the anger I've got.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. And, 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 again, that's in... Um, you know, i i believe as well you know that you know there needs to be a competition uh, among healthcare care providers for uh, um and I also believe in um you know, creating and promoting choice among uh health care providers I, I and as far as um my goal again is to um uh, as i like the congress congressman is to take a look at our current system and like you mentioned how it's not benefiting us. A um, good friend of mine, she's uh, known her, my wife and I have known her for about, uh, about six, six, seven years, and um, she's disabled as well. Her and I, we've had quite a few, since my campaign has started, had quite a few uh, conversations about her disability insurance. And again, those holes and those um, areas that you mentioned um, to where there can be some improvement or um, just a, you know overall a um, the government not being involved in, in, in that process at all. And um, so again, she's helping me even more every day to be able to understand exactly the the needs um that I need to address uh, concerning um, disability insurance um and health and the healthcare system.
1: Oh, that's a good thank you yeah um I'm going to actually bring David into this one because he's sitting there quietly in the background we we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic or whatever you want to call it this outbreak um, what I find uh, Unusual in this is, is, is the way that we're, we're freaking out over this. Yes, it's highly contagious, uh, but the coronavirus has a uh, contagion factor of only two. SARS has a contagion factor of four. The measles has a contagion factor of 18. So it is not the most contagious thing that is now out there in our public system. Now, the cure rate for the coronavirus is 99.7 for those who are under the age of 50 and we see now that the infection level is spreading off. You know, what do you say to the public, and I'm gonna ask David this, uh, to the public at this point in time, you know, should we still maintain cautious or do we just go into our little quarantine house and lock the doors and throw away the key and say, I'm not going out for the next year? David, what do you say to me?
3: Ah, uh, that's a tough question. You know, I've sitting at my swimming pool. Uh, I, I, this would be a great place for me to be quarantined, no doubt. But you know, we got to live our life. Uh, we got we got to also listen to what our experts are telling us. Uh, I know that the coronavirus has caused a lot of sickness throughout the world and and uh, deaths, unfortunately. Uh, I think we need to be cautious, very cautious about what we do. Uh, you know, I, I, for one, we are in and out of homes where people pass away from all kinds of sicknesses. Is it on the back of our minds? Yes, there's no doubt. I currently have my mother-in-law. She's staying with us. She's just, uh, hopefully tomorrow she will be able to be cancer-free. Uh, she just got through growing through uh the radiation treatment, chemotherapy. Um, so, yeah, I'm concerned about bringing it home, you know, to her until she gets better, get back in her own place. Um, listen to listen to the experts. Um, you know, that's what I do. That's what we all do at the coroner's office. And I, and I think as far as the, most of the Americans we're listening to it, uh, it don't mean we need to be on a lock and key, no. But, uh, you know, I went to an event uh, Saturday, and, uh, you know, of course, uh, I'm running for office, and you want to shake hands, and, of course, there's your elbow bumping, there's your fist bumping, there's your hugs, there's your handshakes, so you never know what people are going to do when you greet and meet them, Uh, respect their decisions to elbow bump you, or, or just stand back and say, hello, hey, glad to meet you, uh, you know, and practice that safe distance as they're telling us right now. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's come to the point that we got to run in our homes and lock our doors. Uh, just listen, listen to what the experts are telling us right now. Well, Brad, what would you say now?
5: Um Again, I I I agree with uh, the comments that David just made. As uh, I mean, he he said it uh, very well, you know. To uh, you know, we 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 are to to listen to those who 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 have uh, um, given us some instructions. Um, but at the same time, we were you know to uh, um, kind of uh, govern ourselves accordingly to how it best best fi- is fine tuned for our our families, our individual families. Um, you know my my. Uh, and i've kind of just this uh made me think of an incident while you know a while back um my daughter my 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 wife and i um, have a sixteen year old you know she was uh uh three at the time um, but she, had, we were living in the Charleston area, um, and at three years old, you know, she was walking and talking one day, and uh, her eyes was starting to close because she had a fever. And we never, you know, she had a fever as a baby before, as a toddler, but we know we never saw her eyes, uh, you know, closing. And so we took her into, you know, a hospital in uh, um, the Charleston area, and then they told, her to, told us it was a fever, and we took her back in again to MUSC Children's Hospital downtown. Um, and they told her that she was... Uh, I was about to go into a coma because of meningitis. So she contracted meningitis when, you know, I don't know, daycare or something. Um, uh, so, so yes, yeah, so she went into a coma for about a month. And um, my my wife and I, you know, I, I kind of mentioned to people kind of things of process. My wife and I followed at that time, you know, so we kind of doing what people are doing now, um, as I recommend, as we listened to the doctors. Uh, we did our own research uh we prayed and uh you know we embraced the support of our low country community. So, you know, that's kinda of what I would say at this instance is to uh with the coronavirus is to um do as my wife and I did at that point is to listen to the medics, scientists and uh but also don't rule out listening to God. Um and uh um of course not the media personalities who's causing um uh, you know excessive panic but uh in that you know medics, scientists and God.
1: Well, that's a huge amen to that one. Um, you know, I, I have to laugh because I hear your your birds chirping in the background. I was trying to figure out why my cat kept on trying to climb over my lap. I think it's my cat. Hungry. That's
3: my birds, Miss Ann. I got about nine uh, bird feeders over here. That's one of my stress relievers is sitting out here in the afternoon watching all my birds come to the feeders.
1: Well, I'll send my five cats over.
3: <laughs> we'll take care of them. Tell them to come on.
1: Catch some squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Brad, we we have a problem with immigration, and I'm going to say illegal mm-hmm. aliens because they they're not immigrants because they're coming. Of course, they're breaking the law to get in here, and we have a large section of them that continue to break the law through assaults, uh, murders, uh, drug trafficking, human trafficking. It is a major problem. Now, what we're also seeing. Mm-hmm. Is at the coming over, they're bringing diseases that have been eradicated in the United States for decades leprosy, mm-hmm. uh, rubella, uh, whooping cough, uh, typhoid. Um, we have officers in California that are getting these illnesses. I mean, leprosy hasn't been seen in the United States since the 1950s, and the last colony mm-hmm. was in Hawaii. Uh, but we're seeing these immigrants bringing them over. Now, just recently, just in the last few weeks, they stopped over 300 Chinese immigrants that were affected with the COVID virus. They stopped an additional number coming through the airports. Chinese are coming in here deliberately infecting our nation, and we mm-hmm. still have Democrats. Calling for open borders
5: and sanctuary cities. What do we do about this? Again, the, uh, and and I, I I feel what you're saying, uh, and and it's a shame that you know, uh, Democratic Party that they um, again seems to be treating more than one um, issue that you know. In a political way, you know, from the coronavirus to immigration to health care to, you know, uh, a lot of other different issues that unfortunately the Democratic Party is uh, politicizing. Um, And with, again, that I mentioned with immigration as well, I, I, uh, if elected congressman, of course, my goal is to um i believe that there's uh changes that need to continue to take place um conversations that continues to be need to be had um on the front of border security um and and uh, immigration overhaul um you know, there's you know my goal is not to um push uh, amnesty um it i believe it only encourages unlawful immigration um and uh you know unfortunately uh obama's you know catch and release you know policy didn't work. Uh, I do know the current administration, they uh, implemented uh, a uh, remain in Mexico policy um, that I believe is working uh, to help keep those out, Um, as you mentioned, that's coming over with uh, diseases that we haven't had in in years and years and years. Um, But for example, the remain in Mexico policy, um, of course, is a policy to where uh, instead of those who are seeking asylum come in. And uh, on the, the Obama administration, the catch and release, and then they end up uh, infecting, bringing those types of diseases and, and bringing crime. And, um, and, you know, they don't show many don't show up for their court dates, um, amnesty court dates. You know, now with the remain in uh, Mexico policy to where instead of waiting on this side for. Um, uh, uh, you know, a court date or, or to see whether or not, you know, their claim for amnesty is true. You know, they're waiting on the Mexico side. And I believe, uh, within the 13 month period, there were about 60,000 immigrants that returned to Mexico, were returned to Mexico, um, because of this, uh, new policy, that, uh, our current administration implemented. Um, so I, I, my goal is to help continue to push policies like that and close loopholes, um, um, that, that again, allows those types of, uh, uh, like you said, not immigrants, but many of them are uh, um, uh, knowingly bringing over alien. diseases, <laughs> illegal aliens, yes.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, they are alien to the nation. They're not here immigrating because a lot of them you'll find send the money that they earn back to their native country. And India right, is the largest right. uh, 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 the largest. Oh, good Lord. My, the word just went straight. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I can't even think of the thing. But they are the largest group of people that set, take their earnings here in the United States and send it back to India. None of it remains here in the United States. And I had a friend of mine, she has since passed away, had her wallet stolen over at oh, Wally World, Walmart. And mm-hmm. next thing she knew, she was getting contacted, hey, uh, your Social Security member is being used by so-and-so. Are you aware of that? And she had no idea an illegal alien was using her social security number, collecting her paycheck, not paying taxes like the Democrats claim they're doing, because they were taking no deductions, taking the full Mm -hmm. check, and she was being stuck with the tax bill from someone else's earnings. And this identity theft is a real problem. And they're not – no one out there is saying let's trace it back to the illegal aliens that are working here illegally and not paying Mm -hmm.
5: taxes. Exactly.
1: Okay. I just made yourself a campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and
5: again, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, yeah, again, thank you. So, yeah, that's – again, that's a a goal of mine, uh, and I agree with you that there's – unfortunately, there's uh, – you know cases that we, we we've we've uh, all um, have read and, and know about, like you mentioned with your friend, to where um, you know there's there's uh, been crime caused by um, illegal aliens, and again, it's my goal to um, again help push um, uh, um, many of those policies um, to again close the loopholes um, on, on illegal immigration. Like I said, I'm, I'm not for amnesty, but um, that does needs to be a conversation as far as how do we uh, um, move forward uh, with, with our immigration policies.
1: Right now, another thing I have a problem with is, as a retired law enforcement officer, I saw the sanctuary policies that were already in place in New York City back in the 80s to 90s. It's not something new. New York City being a sanctuary city, you were not mm-hmm. allowed to ask the immigration status, or if you did, and you found out the person was an illegal alien. We as officers were prohibited to contact ICE. We were not allowed to tell them that we took this person into custody. Now, there is a pushback, not just from law enforcement, but from local communities that Texas has passed a law that if an elected official or a government official is found in assisting an illegal alien to hide their status, and if a crime is committed, whether it is a property crime or a physical crime, whether it's civil or criminal, that elected official or government official can be held as an accomplice and equally culpable in that civil or criminal action. Now, I'd like to see that being implemented nationwide, state by state, but with the federal Mm -hmm. government supporting the state initiatives. Would that be something you would support?
5: Yeah. Uh, that, that would be something I would, I would support. Yes.
1: Good. Yes. So Texas already has, we're trying to pass that here in South Carolina. I'd love to see it fully passed here. Yeah, um, and I mean, on. again,
5: there's other, I mean, there, just to kind of mm-hmm. mention that there, along with what you mentioned there, there's unfortunately uh, with the legal, illegal aliens, there's you know more than one area to where unfortunately is uh, um that our federal government needs to take a look at. For example, you know, with the welfare, welfare system, um, you know, immigrants shouldn't, shouldn't be on welfare, you know, is again another um, program that I would like to uh, um, make sure that there's not any uh, um, regulations and rules in place that, again, is causing this to
1: happen. Well, you mentioned welfare, and when we had that forum with the Beaufort County GOP, that was what two months ago. I forget. Um, two
5: months ago, yes.
1: That, that that question about entitlement programs, of course, was mine, because <laughs> the second mm-hmm. was asked. Right? That was, oh, you asked that uh-huh. one. There is there is confusion because I hear people going, "Well, you don't support socialism and socialistic programs, but you collect Medicare and Social Security." Now, hold on, mm-hmm. back up. Number one, I spent a lifetime working, paying into Social Security with the promise of the federal government saying, this is your money, we're going to hold on to it. And when you're ready to retire, whether it's through disability or through age, we're going to give mm-hmm. you your money back. That's not a socialist mm-hmm. program. That is actually government taking my money, not letting me earn interest on it, and then doling it mm-hmm. back to me piecemeal. Damn it, it's my money. Give it to me.
0: I paid into
1: Medicare. I still pay into Medicare. I get a chunk of my Social Security taken out to pay for my Medicare benefits. And my Medicare benefits are rationed because there's so many Mm -hmm. people collecting it. These are not entitlement programs. These are programs I paid for. I earned them. Mm -hmm. They're mine. Get, Get your hands off of it. But now they go supplemental income, which falls under Social Security. Yes, that's an entitlement. Welfare, Section 8 housing, food stamps, uh, Medicaid.
5: Medicaid,
0: Uh, yes, Medicaid, Uh, food stamps. Obama
1: phone. Oh, that Obama phone. That if anyone turned around and looked at their cell phone bill, their home phone bill, their satellite bill, their Internet service bill, any telecommunication bill you get, there is a little fee that comes out of every single bill pays for those Obama phones. Still, they're taking that money out, and that program is now one president behind us, and it's still there. Mm-hmm. What would you do with these entitlement programs? Would it be welfare to work? Uh, would it, do you limit it, have them tested for drugs, uh, for criminal background? What would you do to help curtail the abuse of these programs? And it is abuse.
5: It is abuse, yes, exactly um again I've, I've seen unfortunately these this abuse played out on the grounds i mean my goal would be to take a look at the regulations um uh, making sure that there's not any abuse uh, making sure the abuse that is there um that's is eliminated for example um you know you have uh, um i you know i've, I've personally, you know personally my wife and i know you know some couples that would love to get married but um you know if uh if they get married they get a, a reduction or they get a reduction in benefits um as opposed to and you know um get a get a reduction in benefits uh for food stamps or whatever it's like that um so it's almost like the government is set up now to where um it, you know that uh, young ladies is, you know is dependent on the government for for her support uh, when as opposed to that's a a good way for, you know, if she's getting married, then again, that's, that should eliminate um, uh, the the need. If if that person, her husband has an income that should eliminate the need for, for for food stamps. Um, But my goal is to, uh, again, look at look into these areas to where there's um, abuse and uh, get rid of it.
1: That, that is a huge thing. Now I I see we still have people um, up in our, our Facebook pages. I'm telling them to post their questions, please, uh, because I will put them on. I will ask them because I see I'm, I'm up on our Beaver Tea Party up on Facebook. But I didn't realize but I'm also simulcasting on Sudden Sense on Facebook as well as here on Blog Talk Radio.
0: Yeah, or, yeah.
1: So I have got people yes, listening, in. I've got people up in the studio on the phone lines. Uh so if you have a question um, I see you in the studio. Please press one. Otherwise, I'm going to assume that you're only listening, and I'll be happy to bring you on to ask your questions. So I see of people listening. <laughs> no one wants to ask questions. I think you're intimidating them, Brad and uh, David. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, um, I'm going through the list of, of stuff I have here. Um We were talking about uh, entitlement programs, and you also mentioned marriage. Uh, Going into the family issue, we've we've seen under Lyndon Baines Johnson, they came out with some great social experiments. Uh, The family Mm -hmm. started to break up, especially in the black community, and it was Mm -hmm. targeted towards that community. And the more they broke up the family, the more they made them dependent upon government and instead of being a hand up, it was became a handout, became generational poverty. And now mm-hmm. suddenly people are starting to wise up and people are starting to say, hey, maybe this marriage thing is a good thing. Um, what mm-hmm. would you do to help encourage young men out there and women to form family units and then be partners in raising their children in a stable family environment? would you be offering some sort of a public private enterprise that you know maybe churches can get involved with without the federal government sticking their big foot in what would you you're
5: do? right you're exactly right um and i thank you for mentioning that um and th- that that is an area I, I, unfortunately i um i have seen that play played out on on, on the ground i know the the heritage uh, heritage foundation i i um like a lot of their content they do a uh, poverty forum every year and I'm, i i re- at least i listened uh, recently to the twenty nineteen poverty uh, forum that they had um uh, to uh where uh you know Senator Tim scott was in, in attendance at that event as well um and and you know the forum that's centered around you know that mentioned different areas to where there's um uh, shows that statistics on uh, the breakdown of the family and on areas that uh, we can do to improve that um, in our nation. But it it goes back to that uh, breakdown of the family unit, you know, with, uh, you know, with the breakdown of, uh, you know, less, you know, our society getting married or uh, um, having children outside of marriage, you know, that does statistically show to where it affects not only um, just the welfare system, um, like like you mentioned, that was uh, introduced decades ago, um, as a social experiment, experiment, but it also deals with the issues that I believe that we have concerning crime, um, the issues we have concerning uh, drug abuse, opioid opioid abuse. Um, and uh, so I believe that there's a lot of areas that could be solved by that. Again, me growing up a preacher's kid here and, um, and also uh, um, having a professional experience as a community development leader, I believe that a public-private partnership, or like you said, um, just uh, uh, um, there needs to be that connection between somehow the the government passing the torch to our churches and to those uh, organizations in our community that's that's already have the passion to um, pull pull these and push these families to be together um, and, to, and to get married. Um, you know, it's been proven that you know that process of someone leaving high school. Um, Getting an education, getting married, and obtaining employment has produced um, great citizens, and and has uh, again um, eradicated or dissolved uh, you know the poverty. The quickest way for a generation to get out of poverty is 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 that step process: graduate high school, you know, get, get education to so you're able to um, support your family and uh, get married, and uh, um, you know come up in that type of environment um has the best possibility to escape poverty. Um again, I would like to see more faith based um and uh, you know outside of faith based as well but other organizations who's got that passion and spirit to um promote uh um uh, family units. I do know that there's quite a few um organizations in South Carolina. I believe one of them is a uh like Southern men uh or southern fathers um but their goal is to help push uh, fa- fathers in the home as well. So um, I would like to work again more with organizations like that.
1: Well, now, we also we do have a question up from uh, Facebook, and it happens to be from Lori Zapp, who happens to be the leader of Women for Trump here in Beaufort County. And uh, she said that there is an, uh, an issue here in Beaufort County, but I think this is also nationwide because in South Carolina, we finally have school choice. Uh, President Trump has signed uh, an executive order pushing for more school choice throughout the nation. And state by state, we're seeing now more and more school choice where wherever we go. However, there's a caveat because we have so many legal, illegal aliens within our school system. In many instances, the schools are not allowed to ask the immigration status of the families and the children that are being sent to the schools. So consequently, when it comes to school choice, the choice schools are being zapped up by these illegal aliens and their children and pushing out the legal citizens and legal children of our nation and Mm -hmm. of our state. So should we be having a requirement that if you are a legal citizen that you should have priority over anyone else because you're paying the taxes. They're not. Exactly, You are.
5: You're right. Yeah.
1: This is your name. That, that should so be a requirement. We, yes. So then what do we do with these sanctuary policies? Do we withhold federal funds until the the, the state falls in line? Like Trump is now doing with New York and California. Is that how we should be doing it?
5: Uh, Yeah, so exactly, and sorry, um, had someone walk in on me, but um, but yes, so again, with uh, school choice, um, that should be a a requirement. I I believe yes, that should be a requirement. It shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't be to where you know, like you said, illegal um, uh, immigrants are here and uh, taking, um, like you said, the spots available. uh, You know, as far as the school choice. Um, So yes, I, I do believe that there should be a requirement. Um, my goal is to look more into um, exactly see what those uh, um, regulations are. I do know that South Carolina is pushing um, um, to have a school choice as well. I spoke to a gentleman a couple of days ago at uh, the Charleston area that's uh, next month uh, is inviting me out to um, a school. Um, there's an organization throughout the uh, nation that have developed some of the um, best uh, um Uh, schools uh, um, charter schools and uh, um, I believe they're looking at bringing that uh, particular program into the Charleston area Um, but my goal is to you know see exactly what's the nuts and bolts behind that program um, and see if that's something that can be offered as a school choice um, among among uh, those parents within our district all
1: right now I'm going to change excuse me, the subject just a little bit uh, because recently New York State passed this horrendous abortion bill so that basically even after the child is born, you can just turn around and not give the child any substance, any care or whatever, and the child can just die. And we've seen the governor of, Pennsylvania, uh, governor of Virginia support the very same policies. Now, to me, that's murder. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, I am not for abortion, agree with you, yes. so I yeah. still consider I still consider abortion murder because this is a mm-hmm. preborn. I mean, God said, "I knew you in the womb." So, in other words, yes. He's acknowledging that this is a viable human being, a child of God. So, mm-hmm. what is your stance on abortion? Are you for well, if it's from incest, or uh, if it's the, the health of the mother, or do you say Abortion
5: is abortion. I, I say abortion is abortion. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I took a look at an abortion map um, uh, where the Planned Parenthood uh, clinics are located throughout, you know, throughout the nation. And, you know, many of these abortion clinics are, um, uh, you know, within walking distance of low-income communities. Um, I feel like, again, that's a uh, conversation, um, a uh, Republican conservative conversation that need to be had among those within our district that you know the Democratic um, uh, party is not going to um, you know inform the voters that that's what they're pushed that that's what that you know they stand for abortion um, again I like you mentioned you know for his God. Uh, said that he knew us when we were in our mother's womb. There's a, uh, quite a few believers I know in our district who believe the same thing, um, but they're voting for, you know, uh, um, Democratic uh, candidates. Um, and uh, so my goal is to go and, you know, um, spread the conservative message, or spread the um, uh, disinformation, of course, where these – uh, low-income, where these Planned Parenthood facilities are located, just to kind of pull the wool, uh, you know, take the wool from over their eyes to show them that, you know, you believe in on Sunday that abortion is not right. Now also um, walk it out and vote uh, um, uh, pro-family and pro-life uh, candidates into into place, into, into office. Well,
1: you know, um, you do a lot of outreach to the minority neighborhoods, and I've always asked this question. Uh, We've had some very good, powerful minority candidates running against others. You know, we cannot get someone to defeat James Clyburn, and yet we had great candidates out there. Uh, What do you say to the minority neighborhood and say, look, you know, you're faith-based. You know, you believe in the Christian faith, which is along Republican principles, conservative principles, in keeping the family together in and in and, and strong work ethic and in an involvement in giving back to the community. These are all things that we as conservatives and as Republicans believe it. It is in our creed. It yes. Is in, when we have our conventions, it is the formation and basis. We have no fear in mentioning God, which we saw the Democrats in their last convention being, oh, God, you can't say God. You can't mm-hmm. say, no, 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 heaven forbid. Um, I'm being a little facetious here, but uh, mm-hmm. what do you say? Because I keep on asking pastors, pastor, this is what you preach. These are the very same mm-hmm. things we believe in. So why are you still voting for Democrats who are against everything that you stand for? What do you say to them? Hmm. And,
5: um, and, am I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's a, um, Those conversation <laughs> to where it's best. <laughs> That's a, that's a a conversation to where I believe um, to where you can have it with uh, um, 500 different people and you'll get some people out of that who don't know why or won't, you know, they, you know, to be honest with you, you know, a lot of it is uh, historically uh, uh, voting for democratic because, you know, that's what grandma did and mama did. And, you know, I, just like you don't want to throw away the you know the pot that mama gave you, you also don't want to you know vote different because there's an emotion tied to it. Um, so even though they may see the the the, uh, the real answers and uh, behind it, but I, I will say this is that one of the um, advantages I believe I have as a Republican candidate in this race is that I have t- spoken to some uh, Democratic historically Democratic voters. Um, and they've said to me, Brad, you know, you, you running Republican. I was like, yeah, you know, listen, I'm a conservative, you, you know, I grew up in, with these conservative beliefs and then I just, a, a short five minute conversation with them, you know, with the ones that I've spoken to, you know, at, at the end of the conversation, they say, well, yeah, uh, you know, Brad, listen, I'm, I'm voting for you, June. And I put me down. Um, and it's just having mm-hmm. those individual conversations, um, sometimes it's not going to always come through the pastor to be honest with you. <laughs> sometimes it may just come through, uh, for, through a grassroots ground up, um, uh, speaking to those who attend the churches. And then, um, after a while, when you get about, you know, a couple of, you know, 50 or so people in the church who, uh, start to vote Republican and start to realize their conservative ways have been something they lived all their life. And so they might as well vote that same way. Then you'll see, I believe start to see a change.
1: Well, we're seeing a large walkaway movement, and we've got a lot of youth out there like Brandon Strucker, who started the walkaway movement, Candace Owens. We've seen a lot of minority leaders coming up supporting the Republican Party, supporting President Trump, supporting the conservative message. And it's a hard thing to do. I mean, I had an instance where I was going to get an enterprise rent-a-car and the girl came to pick me up. And as we're listening to the radio on the way over uh, someone brought up the fair tax, and she started grumbling about that. And I said, "Are you aware of what it is? Are
5: you aware of what fair tax is, Fred?" Yes. Um. So. So again, I I I have listened to many of those uh, people that you that you've just named, and um, to be honest with you, and this is people asking why I entered. Uh, the race now, as opposed to two years from now, four years from now, I believe that this is the right opportunity to grow the Republican party in South Carolina and, and in our district. Um, because this is, is, uh, this is the probably the uh, first generation that you have, who's willing to walk away, who's willing to, um, you know, cook greens a different way than what mama cooked the greens, you know, <laughs> but she's willing to, uh, makes spaghetti a different way than mama made it. Uh, he's willing to uh, buy a different car. You know, the family may have bought Ford's, but he's willing to buy a Chevrolet, you know. Um, so I believe that this is probably the first generation you have uh, within the African-American community who's willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to vote Democrat just because my mom and dad or grandma did it. Um, I'm going to actually take a look at um, the conservative values um, um, of the Republican Party and uh, vote that way um unfortunately um I've, I've had some conversations with um you know with with not only with uh uh um, american uh um, voters within our district but even uh last week i sat down and did a podcast with uh you know some millennials uh that 18 you know or more specifically that 18 to 25 year old um and i asked them you know i've been asking people throughout my campaign as you know what was the last you heard from a uh, a Democratic candidate? And, you know, some of them say, well, yeah, he was – I had, uh, uh, you know, um, some presidential candidates come to my church over the last few months. Or, you know, some of the millennials say, well, you know, well, I had some come to my school. And then I asked them the same uh, after that question. And when was the last you heard from a uh, Republican candidate? And, uh, unfortunately, the answer was I've never heard from a Republican candidate before as far as being – you know, in my community, you're at my school, at my church. And I just feel like, again, that I can help spread uh, the conservative message, uh, during this time. And I believe that this time is the right time.
1: All right. Now, um, uh, my husband is co-hosting with me in the studio here. So you've got a question Yanni. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi,
4: Brad, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just curious. Um, uh, now that the election will be over, it's in November, right? Um, yes. Sir. How familiar are you with the goings on in in the Congress itself? Uh, have you gone through there and see? Because you you all covered a whole lot of bills here, and uh, I know you're doing the research on them. But uh, you got feeling any uh, anxiety about walking in there? And everybody always promises on day one, I'll do this and that. Must be like a new experience for you, right?
5: Yes, sir. You know what? I'm glad you you brought that up. Um, I I have not walked through you know the halls of Congress. Uh, no, not yet. Um, and it will. You're you're exactly right. It will be a new uh, experience for me. Uh, but I believe that, uh, and I am doing a lot of my research now, and uh, I you know so I can as far as what bills are uh um being proposed at this time um as far as how it can get hit hit the ground running um uh, there there you know there is one candidate in the race who's uh you know um uh, who you know hold a state position elected position and uh, uh feel like uh, um, she can walk into a position a little easier because of that experience uh, I believe that even though I have never stepped foot in, you know, the halls of Congress or, or, or the state house, um, that what I'm taking with me is something unique that other candidates don't have: is the um, passion of being um, living. Many people ask me, they say, "Well, Brian, why, you know, why are you running for Congress?" And I said to be honest with you, the stories, the hopes, dreams, and and uh, pains of people of of my past of growing up preacher's kid of of being involved in the community have pushed me to say uh, we need somebody there um, who's going to have our heart and uh, when they're you know when 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 we're eating lobster they're still going to remember that they're back home eating uh, pork and beans rice and sausage Um, so I'm the candidate that's going I believe with the heart I um, don't have that experience just to answer your question but I believe um, you know into going into new territories by faith Um, but also with uh, um, an understanding um, educational-wise as far as what I'm about to, you know, go into.
4: Yeah, that's good because, uh, you know, uh, I was kind of relating it to myself when I walked into uh, all the 46 jobs I've ever (laughs) had. Pardon me. Um, Everything's brand new, but with the attitude you can adjust and learn. Are you a quick learner?
5: <laughs>
4: i am i am
5: be be and be honest with you i and i and i am a quick learner, yes sir and and i, I spoke well, with yeah. a few congressmen over i spoke with a few congressmen over the last uh um you know six months a uh, few of them gave me a phone some phone calls i sat down uh with a uh um congressman uh, republican congressman from georgia um over the last uh buddy Carter over the last uh, month had breakfast with him um the one from the congressman the republican congressman from north carolina um he 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 uh he and I we spoke on the phone he's like he said Brad listen um kind of going along with what you're saying he said Brad he said you listen you you go up there with the right attitude he said connect with good people he said we have bible studies there you know throughout the week we you know we pray with each other and he said you know he said he said congress is a place where we go with the right heart and you attach yourself to good people and a good community um, of those who wanted to really, really serve those back home, he said you'll you'll do well. And again, I believe, um, I take those words to heart to know that I, mean, I may may not have the experience, but I go with the mind to uh, attach myself to some other congressmen who got you know some prayer groups going on. I'm praying for those back in our district, um, but also with those who've already walked up the road as far as Tim Scott um uh and uh um and other leaders who I who I would like to pattern. I often say people say, Well, Brad, how are you? how will you govern or how do, how do you see yourself? I said, well, those three people I look up to, you know, as far as patterning my um, time in office as, you know, Ted Cruz, because he uh, he's directed to the point. Uh, I said Tim Scott, because he's inspirational and he calls change through um, calls change through his inspiration. Um, and then I say, you know, uh, Will Hurd, because Will Hurd is one of those, uh, he's leaving office, but he's the last uh, African-American uh, con- congressman that's leaving office, I believe this year. Um, but one of the things that he wanted to do is grow the Republican Party to be as diverse as our nation is. Um, and so those are three things that I um, would like to help push.
4: Well, that's it. You answered my question about the attitude because that's very important, honestly. Yes, sir. Oh, Well, to me anyway. But uh, yes, knowing sir. that, okay, <clears throat> term limits is great. You'll be full of experience by that time, assuming that you win. And uh, hopefully, best of luck for you and um thanks for answering my question. I'm trying my best as being a substitute uh, <laughs> co-host also. Just well, no me. thank you. Thank
5: thank you for uh uh thank you for asking me that question. I I be- I, I believe I definitely believe in husband and wife teams. My uh <laughs> my wife and I we've been uh, married 18 years. I'm sure y'all you know got some more years under your belt than we do, but we've been married 18 years uh, but you know my uh my wife she uh she she sings around town in a in a band and uh you know she helps me at the uh, uh, Republican forums many events I go to she'll take my books and hand out cards and, and uh you know the other way around whenever she's singing I take her uh her mics and uh gears back to you know I'm a groupie whenever she when I'm, I'm around her and when she's singing so so we we're definitely a husband wife team and I be, again I believe in uh, the family unit um and believe that that's going to help turn our uh, country around
4: well, well, good for you. Well, anyway, my boss is sitting right next to me and she'll fire me after he's showing this <laughs> okay. Well when he
1: when he's when he is wearing a hat, his hat says yes, dear. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly.
4: She's <laughs> the boss. I have, you have to get that. one of those hats. <laughs>
1: yes.
4: Anyway, uh thanks for being on the show also. I really appreciate that.
1: Well, well yes, David, I, was I just people David and Fred... We're winding down to our last half hour here, so I'm going to try to start to finish this off because I do have one last question that I have. Actually, I've got a lot more. I forgot I had a second page. (laughs) Anyway, um, we have now this outbreak with the coronavirus or the COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And what this has brought to light is what is actually going on in communist China. How many uh, manufactured items, everything from daily household products to baby formulas clothing to even our very medications and antiviral serums, um, a lot of stuff is coming out of China. We have become so dependent upon their manufacturing that when the country shut down, we have a major market panic. And now people are are buying out the shelves of
4: toilet paper
1: of, you know, Mm -hmm. I went into Walmart the other day and I was laughing. Now my husband and I are always hurricane prepared. So we always have plenty of stuff stocked up. I mean, we've always got enough food to last us easily, easily two months. It was just a couple of those little minor things like extra rubbing alcohol and things like that, that we, we had to, you know, scrounge for, but looking at how Mm -hmm. people were unprepared and how, our stock market was unprepared and how our government was so unprepared for the fact that we are so dependent upon China. Isn't it time we start bringing back made in America and bringing these factory jobs back? And how are we going to do that? What would you propose to encourage American products and American manufacturers for America?
5: Um, yes. And, and I, I agree with you. Is uh um, you no know, it's, it's a, you know I don't think the normal American really saw you know we we take the you know uh, medicine and drugs as far as penicillin and amoxicillin and we you know we we don't have a second thought as for exactly where it's coming from um and unfortunately a lot of those um, uh, drugs as you mentioned as far as other items are being manufactured in in china um i I personally of, of course would um that would be one of the uh, um, first things that I would take a look at. Um, cause again, uh, as we continue talks with China, um, uh, as far as trade, um, I, I would you know, make sure that's something I know that, you know, that at this point that our administration has now uh, noticed that that this is an issue, um, in order to bring these jobs back more to America. And as far as buying made in America, um, again, um, I would help push those policies and make sure that there's not, uh, uh, regulations, uh, um, rules and restrictions. That's, that's, that's not pro business. Um, I grew up, you know, I tell people, you know, often I grew up in two things. I grew up in church, um, being a preacher's kid uh, here in the Low country, but I also grew up in uh, family businesses. Uh, uh, my mom and dad, they, you know, had a plumbing business. Uh, my mom was an artist, sign designer. Um, but I grew up getting off the, uh, uh school bus in Hampton County and going straight to uh, helping them at their business. I'm at age, you know, 12 and 13 years old. So I'm definitely pro business. Um, but again, I, I, do know, speaking with um, a few business owners and uh, uh, throughout the district is to make sure that as I go to, to Washington um, to make sure that there's not regulations in place that is hurting um, uh, um, you know, policies. Um, again, for example, with the um, EPA, I would take a look at the uh, EPA to make sure that there's not any, as far as with the uh, um, drug manufacturing and make sure that there's not any policies that's in place that prevent someone or a company from producing that here in America.
1: Well, we definitely need to bring Made in America back because people don't realize when Trump imposed the trade war and the sanctions on China, they don't realize how much communist China was involved. Because in order for a company to exist in China, it had to have at least two members of the Communist Party on its board. So anything that company did was done by the communist regime. Um, For Americans or any country to manufacture in China, they have to sign over their intellectual property. So you look at these things as seen on TV products. And once this person puts that product out there, it's manufactured in China. China steals the design, copies it, and then resells it as if it's the original item. And they don't realize how much of our trade is being stolen by China. And there's other countries that are starting to do the same thing. Are you for these trade sanctions and new trade deals that Trump has been uh, negotiating? Or should we just do like NAFTA and the Paris Accord and all these other things that was done under the previous administration? Which one is the right one that you see, the right road to our economic freedom?
5: Again, uh, as with our energy policies, I mean, I agree with bringing, with, uh, again, uh, more of, to answer your question, more of bringing those uh, um, opportunities and jobs back to um, America. Um, I believe that we have uh, uh, great people here. I believe that we have educated people who – I believe that we have entrepreneurial people here who can definitely um, – get the job done and do a better, you know, better job than, than, you know, that they've done over in China and other areas. Um, So yeah, to answer your question, bring it back, uh, bring it back here, bring the jobs and the opportunities, economic opportunities back here to America.
1: All right, now I've got one last question, uh, because I'm looking at we got into our last 20 minutes, and I wanted to talk to the people before I sign off. Um, And I'm going to ask you this, Brad, and then I'll have the two of you do a closing statement. Um, I noticed on Ballotpedia. There's a section in there called the Candidate Connection Survey. Now, some of the yes. candidates that are running for the first district have completed that. I noticed that you haven't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Cox has not. And I, there's a guy mm-hmm. here called James Johnson. I never heard of this guy. I just, I just saw that he's running. I never heard of him. Uh, so he's doing really good on his campaign. <laughs> but with you... Would you go back to Ballotpedia, fill out that survey so that when people look at it, they can see how you compare to uh, Mike Colbert, uh, Kathy Landing, and Nancy Mace and, and put yourself up there in that running? Because right now, as I see all the polls, Nancy Mace is out uh, uh, raising uh, funds, and she's like sitting in the catbird seat. And you guys have to catch up to what it looks like, and I think yeah. Ballotpedia yeah. is one way to help you do that.
5: Good, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and, and I definitely will. That's something I'll work on, uh, with my, my campaign volunteers. I'll definitely be working on that, um, tonight and, and tomorrow to make sure that that, um, the ballot PDA is updated. Um, as I, I did, I did a, uh, um, interview with a, uh, um, newspaper last week and, uh, you know after reading the article it was a i believe it i believe the uh writer or uh, reporter gave me a gave a uh true true statement some true statements on who i was um as a person and my campaign um but there are some words that she uh mentioned in that that kind of stand uh, kind of stood out to me um but i saw it as a positive um she saw she she mentioned the word she said well brad you know is uh you know uh, Get great person he's got some great policies on the push um he's a heavy underdog I And mean, those those words stood out to me so I only mentioned that to you uh, on your show and um that I am considered a heavy underdog um but I mentioned that because i can i do welcome uh the financial support um if there's someone out there um, who can campaign and believe in this campaign um there are ways that you can give to help us out. Um, but also those who want to volunteer to say, Brian, listen, we'll come along beside, beside you and make sure that some of these things are done in order that you're, um, that we can help push you to, to June 9th. Um, but yes, I will say well, ballot, ballotpedia. Just,
1: just to, just to show, I do do my homework and David found yeah, out when he yeah. looked at my website for, for Southern sense. So people, if you're listening here to Buford Tea Party, I do a radio show on every Friday between three and six p.m. called Southern Sense. It's very easy to find. Just type in the name of the show. Put a hyphen in the middle. Southern Sense, as in common sense. And we don't take any nonsense. So southern-sense.com. You can check that. But you had recently, just you know, a matter of four days ago, in the Guardian, a nice write-up by Kenya Evelyn titled "How Black Republicans Are Debunking the Myth." of a voter monolith. And I think the Democrats in these recent primaries are finding that uh, they all do not vote the same. And people are starting to think independently, which I, it buoys me, because now with the advent of this 24 this seven information highway we call the internet, our smart devices, our computers, our 24 seven satellite news, cable news, Growing up, and David, you can attest to this, we had maybe four channels, ABC, CBS, NBC, and uh, uh, PBS, and that was Mm -hmm. it. But now, in the advent of this new information wave, people can just at the the fingertips pull up anything and everything their heart desires. So it brings me to one small point I want to make with your website, which is... um, Brad Moll for Cong- Congress.com, I notice a lot of other candidates have issues, their stance on issues, and that's something I don't see. And that may be something you may want your your staff to work on on getting your issues up there, such as on abortion, on marriage, on um, uh, on uh, illegal aliens, on trade. These things are important to people because it affects their everyday pocketbook. If you have a parent that cannot get their child into the school they choose because of government policy that allows an illegal alien to take that seat over someone that's paying taxes for that seat, I, this is an everyday pocketbook issue. If you've got a trade yes. warfare going on and the guy that's in the car manufacturing plant suddenly loses his job because a GM decides to bring their <laughs> manufacturing back to China, that's an everyday pocketbook issue. So I uh, you know, my mm-hmm. suggestion to you is, is get them get the ballot up, get your issues up on your website and you know let people know that you're out there. But that said, that's my rant for now.
5: Yeah, thank thank you for saying that. <laughs> and i definitely will get those um uh get my website updated the, the the best way to uh um stay updated on my campaign at this point is uh the facebook page um that's brad b r a d uh the number four se one um brad for s e one is our facebook page and so we've been getting a lot of uh, uh reaching out to a lot of uh um uh, voters and 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 uh um our many of our neighbors in the district uh, through our facebook page
1: well, Brad, I want to thank you for joining us and good luck on your campaign. I'm sorry you couldn't be at Fuji's restaurant where we normally have our meeting the third morning of <laughs> yeah. every month. Yeah, yeah. Party yeah. Uh, we would have had a lot of fun and had a picture taken too, but instead we mm-hmm. have to do this because of the, the virus panic. Um, David, uh, you've been sitting there quietly. Uh, where can people find you and can they help you with your
3: campaign? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we are looking at kicking off our website, hopefully as early as tomorrow morning. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, my campaign manager has it as David Ott for Buford County Corner. Uh, I got to get up with her and double check on that. Uh, we're going to hit the ground running. Uh, we've been doing a lot of meet and greets, uh, getting the word out there, but uh Officially, uh, I think tomorrow you're going to see smoke coming out of my shoes. We're going to, we're going to take off really hitting it hard. Uh, the website would be up there. I'm sure that you could uh, just punch in David Ott from Buford County Corner, and it would show up. It's supposed to have a lot of search engines attached with it. Um, and, again, it will have a a, a part to, uh, of course, donate or volunteer. We could use both. Um, looking forward to running uh, this campaign. Uh, I think we we gonna have a, a good time doing it. Uh, I, I just feel that I I am right now the best candidate for it, given my uh, you know forty plus years of of investigations and uh, you know uh, twelve years with the coroner's office. Uh, no no saying go, Miss Ann. If, if the wagon wheel's not broke, don't fix it. I don't look to fix the coroner's <laughs> office. It it runs itself. It runs smooth. Coroner Ed Allen has has um, he came in there with uh with with the retirement of Kirk Copeland, who was another great leader of the coroner's office. And uh, he took over and uh he runs a, a good tight ship. Uh now there's nothing wrong with getting down a little elbow grease and polishing the spokes and make it better make make more things uh happen uh um, but it it runs uh you know we speak about the republican party the democratic parties and this and that uh is I, I i run on the republican ticket uh been a republican all my life but you got to understand when i'm doing my job you could throw everything i got out of my republican hat Because I'm there for everybody. You know, it don't matter. Uh, You you can go to my Democratic friends who I have worked best with. And uh, trust me, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of people in this county of all races, all uh, Republican, independents, Democrats. It don't matter. I treat one as I treat everyone as my own. Uh, And that's what makes my job so wonderful is that I got the ability to work with everybody throughout Beaufort County, just like I have uh, done for the past four years.
1: Well, gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for joining us and I wish you good luck on the campaign. Um, I will have the video up for in the next 24, 48 hours. Like I said, I we I only really did this simply because of the virus outbreak. Normally, I have you there at our monthly meeting with everyone in the restaurant there. But I want to give each mm-hmm. and every one of you candidates an equal voice. And the primary is coming up June 9th. So I'm telling people to get out there and vote for the candidate of choice. Good luck, gentlemen, and God bless you. Ms. Ed, thank,
0: thank you. you so much yes. right. uh, same to you. Forward. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Take care. Good David night. Ott for mm-hmm. Beaufort County Coroner and Brad Mo, who's running for Congress uh, District Number 1. Um, before we sign off, we've got just a few minutes left. Uh, Because of the outbreak, there is a uh, lack of certain supplies in the stores. And this week I have coming to my home, and this is only for people in the Beaufort County area. I'm in northern Beaufort. Contact me through the Beaufort Tea Party website or through the radio show, Southern Sense, the mill Southern Sense, Common Sense, SouthernSense.com. And I'm getting the alcohol in as well as the aloe vera gel. So contact me. This is how you make the hand sanitizer. I already have some made. When I get the new supplies in, I will make some more, and I will offer it to you. If you do not have hand sanitizer, I will help you make it. I will help you do it. Um, And that way you can be safe and know you have hand sanitizer at home. Um, You put it in little tiny bottles. You can fit in your pocket, your purse, leave it in in your car. Uh, So if you're going out somewhere, you can always clean your hands going in and out of the car. Um, I'm doing this to help you here because the supplies are not on the shelves. I'm getting it in so I can help you do this. It's going to be limited, so it's going to be first come, first serve. Reach me through the website. I'll explain to you what I need you to do and how to do it. Also, if you're looking at the video, let me put the pictures up so you can see what I'm talking about. And uh, there's the hand sanitizer. Um, also, I have the, I can make for you, if you want, for Tea Party for Trump. I am wearing my shirt. As you can see, Beaufort Tea Party for Trump. Um, got, my husband and I wore them to the Trump rally that was recently in North Charleston. Pissed off the media because we were in the media area. Um, but we had a lot of fun with it. Party South Carolina for Trump T-shirt. Get a hold of me again through the website. We'll tell you how to do it. It's not expensive, and it's real easy. You pick out the color shirt, you pick out the shirt. We'll help you with the decal on the shirt. So, again, I want to thank everyone for joining us here. I hope it was informative. I want to thank everyone that showed up on the two Facebook pages. I didn't realize it went on Southern Cents at the same time it went on for P- tea party, <laughs> but, hey, it worked. I want to thank those that joined us over on Blog Talk Radio, Spreaker, are also in the studio. Um, I thank you for the calls that did come in, the questions that were showing up. Wish we had more, but I see you guys out there listening and watching. you could to ask some more questions. Anyway, uh, hopefully this will all pass and come next month. We'll be back to normal. Uh, we intend to meet the third Monday in April. We have Nancy Mace as our guest confirmed. If it should be that we still have this pandemic out there and everyone's saying, don't meet, we will once again, since this has been the first time doing the teleconference, the video podcast uh, in this manner, we will try that again with Nancy to do that next month. So one way or another, you for Tea Party, the third Monday of every month, we'll continue to meet come hell or high water. So I want to thank everyone for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I will hope to see you like as I said, at our next tea party meeting at Fuji's restaurant the third Monday of April, and I will close off the show if I can get myself to close off these windows they um, are with me a little bass aquas. here we go and well we did we did that one no, no that 's what I want uh, if I can hit the right thing, jeez. Uh, Annie is a little bit of a nut here. Um, Here we go. I don't know if this is what I want. Ah, Where am I when I really need some assistance? Okay. But we'll just try this anyway. I think this is what Yes, this is it. Okay. We're going to close off with a song by Richard Lynch, We're American Proud. So until then, I say good night, God bless. If you're interested in the hand sanitizer or the T-shirt... Reach out to me through the website. I'll be very happy to help you guys because we've got to fight this all together. We're in this as a team. We're American proud. So, Richard Lynch, we're American proud. Good night and God bless.
3: We've got
0: American Pride. We've got a- we stand side by side. side, by side. We talk clear and loud. We're American proud. California's domain. Our freedom's the same. From the backwards to the big towns. We're American proud. Like truck, driving pals, they put in the mines all our farmers and friends whose day never ends. With, With our soldiers in mind, they leave no one behind. No one no needs The God keep our its vows. We're an crowd. We are American proud.
5: Look at the
0: pride in our eyes. There's no way to disguise. No, you can't keep us down We're American proud We're through our truck driving pounds They put into miles All our farmers and friends This day never ends our soldiers, in mind. With our soldiers in mind They leave no one behind no one behind. To God we keep our heads bowed We're American proud am America. We're American proud We're American proud